So as we worship today, I love the intentionality of our praise and worship team because I grew up in, 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 in a church where it was call and response. You know, we sung songs so that you could sing back to us. And for some strange reason, God put it on my heart to, when I started the ministry, that I wanted the song to minister. And when you show up at church on a Sunday morning and we're saying things like, who am I to deny what the Lord can do? That sat on me different because I would never say out of my mouth, I would deny what the Lord can do. I would never say, Lord, you can't do that. You don't have the power to, 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 to perform that miracle. But without my words, I say that exact thing because I don't ask for the miracle anymore. You see, I, I, I tout myself being full of faith because I believe God. But do you truly believe God? Because how long ago did you stop asking for miracles? When was the last time you applied your, applied your faith in that fashion? Because for me, oh gosh, when I look into scripture and I see what people ask for in scripture. Listen to me. Elijah prayed that fire would fall. And then five minutes later, he prayed for rain. If that's not a conundrum, if that's not confusing, but because I am God and you can ask me for whatever you want to ask me for. If you believe that I'll rain down fire, I'll rain down fire. If you believe that I'll rain down rain, I'll pour down rain. But do you believe me? Do you believe that I can do it? Who am I to deny? Who am I to deny that God can fix my situation right now today? Who am I to deny that, that God can do anything? Somebody shout anything. Anything that your mind can fathom. Your mind is so finite and small. Anything your mind can imagine, he can do it. You just got to believe him for it. I would never say, me, deny what God can do. No, I believe him. But how long ago did you stop asking? How long ago did you stop telling him who he is to you? I'm trying to reposition us, church. I'm trying to help us to understand that there is more that God wants to do in our lives. We got to position ourselves for him to do it. Father, we thank you and we bless you in this place on today. It's a special Sunday because it's Father's Day. Father, we pray for every man, every father, every future father in this building and everyone that's listening to this message online that a special anointing would fall on them, God. That they could walk in the calling that you've created them to walk in. Regardless of what their bloodline has said about them, regardless of what their father did not give to them, I pray, God, that your hand would be upon 
him. I pray that he would have the courage, God, to trust you, to help him rear his family, to help him love his wife, to help him be the man, God, that you've ordained him to be. Father, we glorify you because you're our heavenly father and there are none like you. We thank you, Father, for loving us enough to send your son Jesus to down Calvary's cross to save us from our sins. You love us that much. So today in this place, God, we give you honor, we give you glory, and we bless and magnify your name because it all belongs to you. We ask, God, that you would speak in this place with clarity on today, God. I bind any distraction in this atmosphere right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we give our attention to you, and we ask, God, that you would move in this place. Father, we thank you, and we count these things as done. And your son Jesus' magnificent name, somebody shout amen. Let's give the Lord a bit of praise in this place. Amen. Well, let's do me a big favor, uh, and let's give every man (laughs) a round of applause. I know some of y'all not going to believe me, but it's hard being a man. It ain't easy. (laughs) Oh, man. Are y'all ready to work today? I'm excited. Thank you for um, whatever y'all gave me. It is greatly appreciated. Um, Give yourselves a round of applause for. You know, I have to believe that Truth Movement Church is the only church where you can make fun of the pastor for praying. Like, how do you embarrass the pastor for praying? But no, I appreciate the gifts. Thank you. Um, let's turn to the book of Mark, chapter 2, verse 2. Actually, verse 1. Let's start at verse 1. Uh, NIV. Um, ladies, I, I'm, you know, we sat close by um, while, while you got talked to about being a queen a few weeks back. We were very attentive. And it was a very powerful message but you're just going to have to hold on today because I'm talking to my brothers today. Is that all right? Now, if you're in the market for a man, you need to be taking some notes. (laughs) This is going to be some good stuff. Amen. Mark 2, verse 2. Are we there? Yes? No? Good. We don't want to go too fast. Mark 2, verse 2. I'm sorry, I keep saying verse 2, verse 1, Mark 2, verse 1, NIV. Y'all ready? Let's do it. Um, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. It's funny that Mark makes note to make sure that Jesus preached the word to them. How much powerful was that word when the word made flesh preached the word to them? Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. 
Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Our topic for discussion today is a man's toolbox. Say that with me, a man's toolbox. I also have a, I guess, a a subtopic um, in the form of a question uh, for every man in here. Uh, What's in your toolbox? If you could do me a favor and lock eyes with the man that's near you, ask him what's in. You got to do it better than that because it's got to be said with conviction. Ask him what's in your toolbox. From a young age, I can remember um, watching my dad fix stuff. It felt like the man had a tool in his toolbox to fix anything. If the furnace went down, he had a tool to fix that. Uh, If the tire went flat, he had a tool to fix that. If the plumbing started to leak, he had a tool to fix that. My father had a tool to fix any and everything. My father had so many tools that he had a tool shed. Some of us are too young to know what a tool shed is. I mean, do you know what a tool shed is? Yeah, we had a tool shed in the backyard. He was real intentional um, about making sure that I understood the nuances of every tool. Um, He would teach me the difference between uh, needle nose pliers and regular pliers. Uh, And he would teach me the difference between channel locks and a pipe wrench. He would teach me the difference between a rip saw and a hacksaw. Um, Because in his mind, if it's the job of the man to fix what's broken, he needs to have the right tools in his toolbox. Ask your neighbor, what's in your toolbox? So when I became my own man, with my own family, I had a toolbox. It was a small toolbox, uh, because we were in an apartment, we didn't have much, but it was a little thing I found, I believe at Kmart or something like that. Y'all know what Kmart is, I think they've been gone out of business a long time. Yeah, I had a small toolbox, and to be honest with you, Um, my toolbox is still small uh, (laughs) because I'm just not mechanically inclined in in that way. Um, But what I learned along the way um, is that as I started to to accrue or to, 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 to grab a hold of and add more tools to my toolbox, I noticed that my father had never showed me the tool that could fix me when I broke. And I, I, I looked in my little toolbox. I mean, I, I, I kept looking and I, and I tried to find a, a tool in my toolbox that, that, that could fix my dis-ease that I just felt at times. Every man in the room can, can, can kind of, uh, you know, uh, understand what I'm saying. It's just, it's a man's thing. It's just a dis-ease that you feel, a distaste that you just have. And I couldn't find a tool, tool in my toolbox to fix it. I couldn't find a tool in my toolbox for my dysfunction. I couldn't find a tool in my toolbox for my inadequacies. I could not find a tool in my toolbox to, to get me out of that stuck place I got in because of my failures. I could not find a tool in my toolbox to deal with the brokenness in him that he passed down to me. I just could not find a tool in my toolbox to fix it. 
what I found out after trying to search for the tools in my toolbox. The most important tool in a real man's toolbox, somebody shout real man, is a friend that can carry him when he's broke. Every man needs a man that can carry him when he's broke. Let me break this down a little bit. I don't need him to carry me to the strip club. I don't need him to carry me to get a drink. I don't need him to carry me to the smokehouse because none of those places can fix me. I need men that know what to do with me when I am spiritually paralyzed. When I'm spiritually unresponsive, I need men that know where to take me when, when, when I'm stuck in my, in, in my failures and I don't know how to move. I need men that know where to take me so I can get fixed. And there's only one place that you can take me to get fixed. There's only one place for a broken man in case you didn't know, and that's at the feet of Jesus. Lock eyes with a brother somewhere in the room and ask him, bro, can you carry me? Every man, every real man needs a man that can carry him when he's broke. I, I know you got your homies that you grew up with and they know you and they understand you and they got you covered and they got your back and all this stuff. But if they're not taking you to Jesus when you're broke, they're taking you to the wrong place. Because I've learned in my own life that none of those places can fix me. Not when I'm broken. There's nothing like the feet of Jesus. And I've learned just through experience that I have to find men. I got to have men in my life that can carry me to Jesus when I'm spiritually unresponsive. And I don't want to move emotionally. I have to have men in my life that understand that. That understand that a drink is not going to fix it for me today. Smoking whatever you got is not going to fix it for me today. Sitting around a tree is not going to fix it for me today. I need Jesus. I got four thoughts that I want to share with you that I think can help us. Identify the men in our life. that we need. Let's go to verse 2. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. First point for today is the phrase, man out of control. Say the word man. man. Out, of out of control. I want you to write this definition down of paralysis. And it, I think I have it up on the screen for you. It means to, to bring to a condition of helpless stoppage, inactivity, or inability to act.
paralysis is to, to, to bring to a condition of helpless stoppage, inactivity, or inability to act. This is somebody's typing. This is an easy one, y'all. You ready? Based upon my studies, um, it is believed that this man that was being carried by his four friends uh, was partially paralyzed. He was, he was paralyzed from the waist down, which meant that he still had the mental capacity, hear me on this, he still had the mental capacity to control other parts of his body. Paralyzed from the waist down, but, but that meant that he still had the mental capacity to control his arms. He had the mental capacity to, 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 to move his head. But for whatever reason, the brain had lost the ability to control his legs. He still had some control over some extremities, but he couldn't control his legs. So even after the brain gave the command to the legs to stand up, they couldn't stand up because the brain had lost control. Even when the brain gave the command, it's time to walk away, he could not walk away because the brain had lost control. Work with me now. You may not know many men who, who are physically paralyzed, but you know a lot of men who have lost control. Oh, I said that way better than y'all responded to it. You may not know many men that are physically paralyzed, which, which is a version of ha not having control, losing control. I don't have the ability to tell it what to do anymore. But you do know a whole lot of men who have lost control. They want to stop drinking. And as much as they tell themselves to stop drinking, the body doesn't respond. I want to be a better father, but as, as much as I, 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 I mull it around in my mind, and much as I, I, I pray about it, and much as I do about it, I, I, I've just lost control. I'm not able to grab it back. I, I want to stop being angry, and I want to stop lying, and I want to stop cussing. I want to do all of these things, and, and, and I can think it, but I've lost the ability to act on it. Somebody shout, man out of control. The, the reason why I bring up this point and I break this down for you in that fashion is because I want us to be able to identify the 2023 version of this paralyzed man. Yes, he may be able to walk. He may be working on a job, but he's paralyzing his, his emotions and his ability to stop doing the things that he know is destroying him. My shot paralyzed. Do you know how debilitating it is? to want to stop doing something or start doing something and be incapable of doing it? How many men do you know that wish they could have a relationship with their kids? But for whatever reason, when the time comes around, when the opportunity presents itself, he just doesn't show up. His mind wants to do it, but he's lost control. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to some men who's lost control of lust. 
I'm talking to some men who's lost control of their emotions. And, and they can't help but to get mad. And every time we have a disagreement, you're breaking the wall and you're punching something and you're breaking something. Because to me, y'all, listen to me. That is a man who has lost control. That is a man who is paralyzed. He can't move from where he is. That man, that same man can show up to church and still be stuck. He's paralyzed. And I'm saying all of this to help us to know that if that man is me, if that man is you, that is the man that has to be carried to Jesus. I'm helping you put something to the narrative. I'm helping you put some eyes on them. I'm helping you to be able to identify because it's not always readily available to notice these kinds of men. But you have to understand that these are the men, the paralyzed men in your life that don't have any control over what they want to do are the ones that got to be carried to Jesus. Oh, gosh. Typically in our lives, those are the men that we run from. Those are the men that don't get any more attention from us. Those are the men we just kind of leave alone. But I'm telling you today, that is the man that is paralyzed and he needs help getting to Jesus. He's got to be carried because he's lost control. Oh, gosh. Okay. Let's get some more. Mm. Let's go back to verse 2. Are y'all learning anything? They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Second point for today is the phrase or the word stretcher bearers, not pallbearers. Say that with me, stretcher bearers, not pallbearers. I like the King James wording a little bit better for this verse, uh, and I think I have it on the screen for you. And it says that, and they came unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four. That word born in the text that I just read, it should be on the screen for you. Uh, it comes from the Greek word iro, A-I-R-O, iro, which means to take up and take away. That word born means to take up, take away. In the text we just read, it just says that they, they carried him. But the word that was used uh, in the original text meant to take up and take away. Um, the text clearly states that they were carrying a man, but it says nothing about what they had to get him out of. Somebody missed that. The text lets us know that they carried him, and that's commendable, and they've, they've brought him to, to, to Jesus, but we, we don't know the fight they had to go through to get him up out of what he was in or where he was at to get him to Jesus. Somebody shout stretcher bear. I, I got some pictures that I want to show you so you can get what I'm saying. I know this is a little different for preaching, but I want to make sure you get it. I thought I had some pictures. There it is. Somebody shout stretcher bears. I think I got some more. 
You can keep, I think I got another one. The position of a stretcher bearer really came to life in World War I and World War II uh, because the number of wounded soldiers left on the battlefield to die was astronomical. So they enlisted men um, that would run out onto the battlefield, and there was four for every, um, for every company. There was four men that was assigned to every company to run out on the battlefield and retrieve these men and then take them to the place of aid. They would, they would, their only job was to, to apply some little, some light, you know, first aid and then but get the man up out of the battlefield and take him to a place where he can be healed. Yes? I don't need pallbearers in my life. I need stretcher bearers in my life. Hear me. Both of these men or these types of men are charged to carry me at some point, but one of them is going to carry me to my grave and the other one's going to carry me to life. I don't need men in my life that's carrying me to my grave by the things that I do with them. I need men that's going to carry me to, to life and to Jesus because I'm hurting and I need to be healed. I don't, listen to me, you can keep the t-shirt, the RIP t-shirt, and you can keep all of your flowers. Give them to me now and take me to Jesus because I need some men in my life that's going to help me when I'm broke. I don't need you to take me to places that aren't healthy for me. I don't need you to take me to places that's going to make it worse for me. I need you to take me to some place where I can truly be healed. That's a lot of work. To be a, to be a stretcher bearer is a lot. It's easy to be a pallbearer. Oh, all you got to do is look somber and, you know, you put your nice little suit on and, and you know, you did your piece and, and you said your last words. No, 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 no. A, a stretcher bearer is going to be there for the long haul. A stretcher bearer is going to walk through some fire with you to make sure you get to the place where you got to go. To get healing. Somebody shout stretcher bears. I don't need men that's carrying me to my grave. You can keep it. Don't put no RFP t-shirt on for Wanzel. Keep it. I need some men to carry me now. Carry me when I can't figure it out. Carry me when I get paralyzed in my mess. Oh, gosh, do you, here, here, here's the, the, the challenge, and I'm going off just a little bit, but check this out. Men, I'm going to say this as simple as I can say it. Men don't like to be told nothing. Does it get any plainer than that? You, you can't tell a man anything. Another man can't hold another man accountable. Who are you to tell me? Well, you... Here's the other part, the part that we don't talk about. I don't even have this in my message, but I'm just going to give it to you. Do you know how much faith and courage it took for that man to trust those men to carry him? You see, you think you look soft because other men are carrying you. Oh, can I talk real today? 
You think you, you look like a sucker because other men are carrying you and they're helping you get to the place where you want to be. But it takes courage. Somebody shout courage. It takes courage to trust another man. Somebody shout stretcher bearers. Let's get some more. Go back to verse 2. I like verse 2. <laughs> We're going to keep pushing. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Point number three for today is the phrase, get over the crowd. Somebody shout, get over the crowd. crowd. I I really want you to hear my heart on this, and I'm going to explain it a certain way. But I I am not reducing the value of this paralyzed man down to what I'm saying. But I have to say it this way in order for you to understand what was happening in the text. The text states that these four men came carrying, watch this, a load. They came carrying weight. They came carrying a burden that they had to get to Jesus' feet. But, But because of the scene when they showed up, they could not get him to Jesus. And then these men do something that most men are incapable of doing. Instead of turning back around with the load that they came with and went back home with it, these men said, no, we're staying and we're going to get above the crowd. Somebody shout, get over the crowd. You would be amazed at the number of men who come to church and never make it into the presence of God because they can't get over the crowd. I'm going to say it again because I thought that was good and I wrote it down. There are men who go to church every single Sunday and never make it into the presence of God because they can't get over the crowd. I can't lift my hands in this place because everybody's looking at me. I've been dealing with something all week long, and I need to release this. I need to cry this thing out, but I can't do it in front of these people. They might see me as less of a man. I I, I can't sing to the top of my lungs and let Jesus know that I love him because my wife might look at me funny. I, 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 I can't lift my hands the way that I want, and I can't worship the way that I want to because simply I can't get over the crowd. Listen to me, y'all. Oh, gosh, either you get over the crowd or you're going to be crushed by the weight. Hear me on this. Either you get over the crowd or you're going to be crushed by the weight. Listen to me. I've learned a long time ago that I cannot go back home the way that I came here because this is the place where I get to lay it before my father. And there's no reason why I should walk out of this place the same way I came into it when he leaves it up to me. All I got to do is get over the crowd. 
So listen to me. I, I'm, I'm a, I can give you a, a, a very vibrant story of when I learned I can get over the crowd. It's back in 98, 1998. I was going to church. And uh, I had met this man who, I, who I, I didn't really get because he was too nice. Stu so nice, man. Like, calm down. And uh, I quickly came to learn that he's nice, but he's a worker. He handled his business. And then spending more time with him, I learned that he was a man's man. Like the kind of man that worked with his hands. You get what I'm saying? Uh, a kind of man that can just figure things out. So I had garnered some respect for him. But I remember. In being in church service one day, and I was still one of those dudes that just kind of, you ever watch it? The, uh, the, the six-year-old boy comes out of a man at church. He just kind of stands there. <laughs> Y'all don't want to laugh because you know you might be sad next. But he just kind of just looks around because he just doesn't want to let himself go. But I remember in this church service, I saw what would become my father-in-law lift both hands and just cry. Y'all, I don't know what he was going through. I don't know what he was trying to get. But I learned in that moment that I have to get over the crowd if I want to get to Jesus. Because listen to me, there's nobody in this room that's going to help me outside of him. I got to get over the crowd. So check me out. If my tears bother you, so what? If, if me yelling to the top of my lungs bothers you, so what? I got to get what I got to get because, listen to me, I'm a man that stands in the gap for my family. I'm a man that's praying for something that needs something from God. So I don't care what you think about me. You never get over the crowd. Stop hiding behind that facade and get over the crowd. Listen to me. Men are breaking every single day. And the difference is, is that we don't know how to articulate it the way that our counterparts know how to articulate it. So we just hold on to it and it builds up inside of us and it breaks something. So now after it breaks, I don't have the words to explain to you where I am because I didn't explain myself back here. So I've lost myself here and I don't have the words to explain it. But listen to me. The only person that I know that can, that, that can, that can unscramble scrambled eggs is Jesus. He's the only person that can fix a man. Listen to this. I have one of the most amazing woman, women on this planet, but she's not Jesus. There are some things that I have to take to Jesus because he is the only one that can fix them. And if you can't learn to get over the crowd, you're going to crush under that weight. I'm talking about crushing under the weight of being a man. Crushing under the responsibilities that you have. Crushing under the expectations that are placed on you. Crushing under the, the expectations of your boss. Crushing under the expectations of your wife and your children. And everything that you're responsible for. If you don't have a place to go where you can just release it, I promise you, sir, you're going to break. We have to get over the crowd. 
Okay. Let's get this last one. Then we'll let you go get your Father's Day meals. Let's go to verse 8. <clears throat> Told you I was going to get off too. <laughs> verse 8, you there? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, verse 11, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Get up. Take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Our fourth and final point for this Father's, Father's Day Sunday is the phrase, pick up your mat. Say that with me, pick up your mat. The part that captivates me, honestly, about this entire narrative, and it has always captivated me, um, was when Jesus says to the man, get up, take your mat, and go home. I always wondered why Jesus commanded him to pick up his mat. Because I could not make the connection between what his mat had to do with his healing that he just received. I'm healed, Jesus. I can just go home. But Jesus puts a step between healing and going home. He says, pick up your mat. Somebody shout, there, there's, there's power in picking up the mat. I didn't even get it, honestly, this is years ago. I got it now, but I didn't even get it back when I would read this, this text and, and, and really understand and to, to, to gain the connection <clears throat> until I read someplace else in Scripture where Jesus said the exact same words to another man. You remember at the pool of Bethesda, and he heals the invalid, and he says, get up, take your mat, and walk. Let me shout, there's power in the mat. Here's the thought that you have to take from this. After, after Jesus gives a man the strength to stand again, the sign of real deliverance is having control over the things that once had control over you. The sign of real deliverance, the sign that you've been with Jesus and Jesus has done his job with you is, is, is and, and the, the sign of that, the mark of that, the evidence of that is you now having control over the things that used to have control over you. Pastor Wanzel, I can't control my temper. You haven't picked up your mat. 
I can't control my lust. I can't control my desires. I can't control my mouth. I can't control this drinking. I can't get it under control. I just can't stop doing these things. And I'm here today to tell you that if you are still controlled by these things, then you have yet to be delivered. The sign of a man Listen to me, y'all. The sign of a, man, a real man, the sign of a man is, is when he can control the things that used to control him. Watch this. Paul says it a little different. He says, when I became a man, I put away the sign of a real man is when he can put those things away that used to control him. You see, you, listen to me. If you're still struggling with cussing, if you're still struggling with drinking and all these things, I'm going to tell you this. You have yet to become a man. Oh, you didn't want to hear it, but I got to give it to you. Listen to me. If you are still struggling with these things and you can't put these things away, Paul says, when I became a man, that means I ain't became a man yet because these things still have control over me. Somebody shout man up. I'm not asking you to play tough. I'm just asking you to man up. Jesus says to the man, the proof in the pudding that you're healed is that you're going to pick up that mat and you're going to control it. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.